how she came to be and uh, oh, she's adopted. So yeah, um, how we came to get her. Oh, thank you. And it, what's that gonna do? Is that gonna ring? Oh, it's gonna record my voice. Okay. <laughs> He'll feel funny if it doesn't record my voice, won't he? Oh, there's something strange going on. Um, last week we talked about uh, emptying. And, uh, and I want to tell you that the things that, that I really wanted to talk about are, are things that really get us ready for world living. Um, things that, uh, that launch us into the places Jesus wants us to be, the places God wants us to be. And, uh, and I, I believe the uh, book of Acts tells us that we are in the exact times and places that he wants us to be right now. So that by some means, some others can reach out and find him. Um, I believe that with all my heart. And, and, and yet in the midst of that, I've found myself multiple times in my life, in my life um, at odds with, uh, with feeling like I had something to give, something to offer, because my life was a mess. Um, and still is. I mean, there are days I wake up and think, I'm a mess. And there are days I wake up and you probably think, he's a mess. Right? And that's okay, because I'm looking out there and going, some of you guys look like a mess. All right? Um, but in, in, in all of our messes, in all of our messes, um, God reaches down into this stuff, this messy life, and uses his children, his people, to touch a broken and, uh, and dying world. I don't know if you heard on the news uh, this morning, uh, four Americans left Iranian airspace. Uh, the, uh, the ministers and Christians have been ca- in captivity over there for several years. And, uh, and I heard about, I think it was about 6 o'clock this morning, the plane left Iranian airspace. Um, what a great day. That is that those people um, are, uh, are free. Um, and the answer to a lot of prayers. Um, a lot of people have, uh, have been concerned about that situation. And boy, there's stuff all over the world, isn't there? We're not going to talk about that because we've got enough right here. Um, boy, uh, songs, these songs, you guys keep singing songs that bring back memories. And, and I want to talk about all those, but, but we don't have time. Um, I have some papers I want to hand out. And a couple of activities that we're going to do. So, uh, Gary, if I could give Ron to give me a hand. Um, let's start with this one. Um, this is a, an old song. You guys know the song, Unto the Old Lord. Actually, it's probably you know, a fairly new song. It's not a hymn, an old hymn. And if I could get someone to come and uh, pass out these two. Um, the song, Unto the Old Lord, is, uh, is one of the songs on the paper. And... Uh, We're going to do something with this song a little different this morning. I'm going to ask BJ and Greg in a minute to come up here and lead this song in a very special way. All right? But before we do that, uh, the, uh, the second paper you're getting, the one that's stapled, uh, just some thoughts and ideas to, uh, for you to take home today. The word we want to talk about today is resting. 
Because I think one of the things that the world doesn't see believers do, followers of Christ, we look just like them. Um, and, and this business of resting is one that I touched on last week, and I said, I don't know if I want to tackle it because I'm not good at it. You know, I, I'm just as frantic as everybody else sometimes. And, uh, and yet, you know, I come back to this over and over and over again. Uh, my grandmother was a stickler for resting, for Sabbath keeping on Sunday. Um, as I got a little older, um, in high school, my dad and I bought a boat. And, uh, and then after high school, I went to work for the railroad. And on Sundays, that was kind of a, a day, you know, we'd go to church. And then Sundays, you know, we'd, uh, we'd even go to church with the boat hooked up to the car. So that in the afternoon and the evening, we could go to the lake and ski. Well, we did that all the time, except for my grandmother and my grandfather came to visit. Because Sundays, all bets are off. And man, I could not understand that. I did not get that when I was growing up. That made me crazy. You know, we kind of sit here. There's nothing to do. Grandma won't let us do anything. It was nuts. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I, I get it now. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, that kind of resting, that kind of that idea, and where that comes from. Because it's directly from Scripture. We know that, right? Uh, we know from, from the creation story, from Genesis, and on through, we know a lot about the Sabbath. And we, we don't know typically a lot about the Jewish religion. We, I, don't, I don't know, I, about two Jewish people in my life I've known. And I, you know, that's one of my life goals. I want to get to know some, some Jewish people. I have a friend who's had a Jewish rabbi that has stayed at his house for a few weeks. And, uh, and, and, and this friend of mine, actually the book, some of these ideas are taken from Daryl Tippins as the provost at Pepperdine University. And Daryl is the one that has had, a, had, had some rabbis stay with him as they've come to Pepperdine to visit and do a, a visiting lecture series kind of thing. And, and Daryl has said, he's told me over the, over the course of time, the time that those guys spend in his house has been such a teaching moment. The things that he's learned from from practicing Jews that really affect who we are. You know, truths that, that get uncovered because, I mean, Jesus came from that history, that tradition that is so rich. You know, the, the supper. You know, there, I mean, everything we do really comes from those roots that, you know, I grew up and I didn't really understand that. Don't really know a lot about that. But I want to, uh, to as time goes on, I've got a lot of questions about that business. You know, how do you rest? What's that look like in a typical Jewish family today? I think about Israel a lot and what goes on over there. How do they, how do they live um, today? An Orthodox Jew. I know there are a lot of secular Jews and they don't practice. But there are a lot of believers in Scripture that still practice Old Testament tooth and nail. And, uh, and that's not what we want to talk about today because uh, there's some departures. And that's, what we, that's really where we want to live in this resting business. I'm not calling you back to the Sabbath rest. Okay? Uh, it's not a legalistic uh, injunction um, this morning. That's not what I want to talk about. But I do want us to think about our lives. So, uh, so re- the word rest. Consider the word. So the, the paper here says, think of ways you have heard the word rest used. I heard my grandmother use the word rest in a weird way, kids. Listen to this. My grandmother said, no, it's not time to eat. We've got to let the turkey rest. She pulled the the turkey out of the the oven and and it's sitting on the counter. I'm thinking, this thing is ready to eat. 
And she said, no, 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 it's got to rest. <laughs> Thinking, I still don't know what that means. You know, that puppy comes out of the oven, it's piping hot, it's ready to eat. That thing doesn't need to rest. It does not need any rest, it needs eaten. That's what it's for. Uh, but I guess there's a purpose, right? And so, uh, the word rest, rest. Think about the word, how is it used? How have you used it? How do you use it? When you think about it, does it make you a little uneasy? Some of you are professional, hard-driving, type-A personality type people that are thinking, don't have time to rest. Um, in fact, yesterday I was meeting with a friend. We had breakfast. David Firth, um, is a, he's an organizational consultant. He speaks all over the world to corporations and, and dealing uh, with small groups. And, and so David and I were eating breakfast, and he was telling me about a friend of his. We were talking about this idea of resting. And, and he was telling me about a friend of his uh, that works, I think it's Lever Brothers, is one of the corporations he works with. I think, in fact, tomorrow he's leaving for the Netherlands to meet with this group of people. This guy in that, in that group said, uh, to us, they were having a conversation about rest one day. He told them, you know, I, I get home on Sunday and have Sunday dinner with my family. That's his rest. That's it. A meal. One meal, that was his idea of rest. And then it's back to work. Before the meal, after the meal, even on Sunday. And so, so David, we were just talking about corporate America and, and, and the world that, that people drive. And I have a good friend who's a food scientist for Keebler in, in, uh, in Michigan, Battle Creek, Michigan. And, uh, you know, we talk every Sunday morning. And uh, Glenn has MS. Five years ago, he was diagnosed with MS. And, uh, and, and the corporate world that he lives in, I, can't, I cannot get my brain around that, the travel and the time constraints and all the stuff. Um, and so we live in a world that, that wants us to balance and juggle and we, we just don't do that really well. All right, um, the following examples, we're gonna talk about a couple of these. The rhythm of God's design, it's everywhere, it's all around us. The, uh, the, the sun this morning, we, you know, uh, rose. We knew when sunrise was going to be. We know when sunset's going to be. We build you know, um, um, astronomical charts about the stars and the moon. And, uh, years ago, people used to sail by the stars. That's how they navigate. You know, if you go to Alaska, I don't know if you've ever been up there fishing. I have, I have friends in Eagle River and Jim. Uh, uh, Gene and I got to go up there a few years ago and, and we were fishing with Jim and he says, well, you know, uh, he says, here's my title book. Here's my title, uh, the, the Rise of the Tide book. It's a, it's a book with every creek around Anchorage and it tells you when the tide's going to come in to the minute when the tide's going to come in to that creek. And he said, you know, you've got to be really careful because if you walk out there in low tide, he said, in just minutes, you can look behind you. If you're standing out there on a rock, he said, you can be 50 yards from shore in some deep water. You're still on the rock, but the water's coming. He said, the tides come, and, but they're all, it's just like clockwork. Boom, the rhythm is there. And they've got books that tell you every day, here's what's going to happen in this creek, in this slough, in this, uh, in this bay. And uh, so, so that is uh, the rhythm of God's design is everywhere. Um, music. Music unto Thee, O Lord. Uh, B.J. Greg, would you come up here? 
They've been back there really worried about this song. They've been studying it. If you look at that, look at that music on there. How many know how to read music? A little bit, a little bit. So, so if you look at if you look at that paper, unto the Lord, what's the first thing you see on that top line up there? A what? Rest. A what? Rest. A rest. All right. We're going to do something really cool, guys. You're going to lead this song, but we're not going to pay any attention to the rest. All right. Can we do that? No, we can't. We can't. Okay, let's try it. Let's try it. Let me turn this off. So you guys ready? You, you ready? Yes. I don't, I don't want ready. Blow, here we go. You want me to ready? echo? I'll echo. Everybody go. Echo? Yeah, there's an echo. There's, echo. there's an echo? Yeah, but that's after the rest. There we start. We start. Everybody starts. You can't rest. Because those people, you can't do that. There's no rest. Come on, let's go. Unto the O Lord. Unto the O Lord. Unto the O Lord. I thought I was leaving this. Come on, Drake. You try. You try without rest. Go. You were doing good. I was trying to keep up with you. You go. Out of breath. You go now. You guys try without a rest. You guys are the musicians. I just. I just sing by the letter. I just open up and let her fly. I like that. You guys are the So do we. We just have a guitar to hide behind. Yes. Give it a shot. <laughs> Unto the O Lord. Unto the O Lord. Do I lift up my soul? Do I lift up my soul? Unto the O Lord. Unto the O Lord. Do I lift up my soul? Do I lift up my soul? Oh my God. Oh my God. I trust in Thee. I trust I in Thee. Let, let me not be ashamed. Let my enemies triumph over me. You guys. That was a mess. We rested. Yeah. No, you kept resting. You kept re Did you hear them rest? I rest my case. Yes. Rest. <laughs> Would you just take that paper home and let that remind you that when you try to do something out of the natural rhythm, it doesn't work. It does not work. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. Um, I need some kids. I need some kids to come up here. Come on. Look at that. Ooh, everybody gets one. I hope. Better not be more than 15 of you. I'm gonna have to go back to the store. Oh, wait, stand up here. You gotta stand up here. We're going to sing some. Don't put that in your mouth. I got them big enough. Hopefully they won't swallow them. Who didn't get one? Did you get one? Did everybody get one? All right. You guys? Who didn't? Everybody? Okay. We're going to do something really cool. You ready? We're going to kind of do, we're going to kind of do what adults do, try to do in their lives all the time. We're going to try to do two things at once. All right? You got the ball in your hand, right? Now, we're gonna sing the song. You guys know the song, it goes, I'm all wrapped up, I'm all tied up, I'm all tangled up in Jesus, I'm all wrapped up, I'm all tied up, I'm all tangled up in God, I'm all wrapped up, I'm all tied up, I'm all tangled up in Jesus, I'm all wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God. You know that one, right? Yeah. All right, so, you ready? On the count of three, we're gonna start. Ready? One. Two, three. I'm all wrapped up. I'm all tied up. Wait, you're not. Come on. You, what are you doing? Come on, get with me. 
I'm all wrapped up, I'm all tied up, I'm all tangled up in Jesus. I'm all wrapped up, I'm all tied up, I'm all tangled up. You guys still holding the ball? Yeah. Okay, let's try something else. Let's really try to do what adults do. Three things at once. Okay? You're going to sing the song, you're going to hold the ball, and you're going to pass it to a neighbor. Okay, you got the ball. We're going to start singing. You're going to do the song, and then we're going to pass the ball to the neighbor. Okay, you ready? I'm all wrapped up, I'm all tied up, I'm all pass the ball, pass the ball. I'm all tangled up in Jesus. I'm all wrapped up, I'm all tied up. Pass the ball, tangled up in God. All right. Who dropped the ball? You dropped the ball. Okay, one more. Four things. You ready? This time, you got to toss the ball in the air to another person. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. I'm all wrapped up, I'm all tied up, I'm all tangled up in Jesus. I'm all wrapped up, I'm all tied up, I'm all tangled up in God. You guys are a mess. You can take your ball and go have a seat. Good job, kids. You don't? You do now. Hey, um, so the men are back there chuckling. They're thinking, I could do it. Come on, uh, come on, uh, Lloyd. All right, somebody from over here. Come on, just somebody hop up. Okay. Come on, come on. Come on, JR. Come on. Come on. You got red. That is your shirt. Am I taking the red still? I can still talk. You're, you're back on. Um, all right. You ready? Yep. I can't sing. Oh, this isn't right. a singing part, is it? Here we go. You guys, um, Isaiah 40, <laughs> verse 1 and 2. Please read and toss the ball back and forth. Go, go, go. Toss, read, toss, read, toss, read. Read. Comfort. Read, toss, read. Come on. Read. I can't see. Read, Comfort. toss. Come on. Okay. Come on. Comfort my people. Toss the ball. Read God. the scripture. Speak read the scripture and toss the ball. <laughs> Tenderly. <laughs> okay, point made. You guys are a mess. You guys can keep the ball. Go home and play with your kids. But you've got to rest with your kids today and play with that ball. Um, music without a rest. Too many things at once. Juggling balls. Trying to read scripture while I'm driving down the street, even listening to it. Yeah, you know, God's really speaking to me. I'm already to work some morning. <laughs> Frantic living. Uh, days without the sun. Nights without the stars. Fish without the water. Birds without the air. People without reminders. Natural rhythms. And we live in a world that tries to defy them, that tries to ignore them, and we can't. We can't. In our world, we should step out at night and see about 2,500 stars above us. If you live in a suburban area, they say the number is actually about 250. If you live in Manhattan, or Dallas, or Los Angeles, or any other large city, the number's about 15. Uh, that's from uh, 
uh, a publication called Space.com. came out in March 2002. They did a study, and I don't know who counted those stars, but um, that's what the science magazine said. That's what Space.com said. Um, you know, uh, something I, I, I wrestle with a lot, and I, I know some of you, you know, looking out here at all the camo, you know, we're, we're not as uh, subject to this probably as many places, uh, many people that we could be talking to, but um, the agrarian calendar, the agricultural calendar, um, most of our world has no idea because there's always something on the shelf at King Supers. Yesterday I bought kale for some, I made soup. You know, it's kale's that, it's that super nutrient, um, I don't even know where the stuff comes from because we didn't grow it in Oklahoma or Kansas. So somebody came up with this super nutrient food that you add to soups. So yesterday, uh, Nia, my daughter, my youngest daughter's away on a retreat this weekend, and so it's just Jean and I, and I get to cook on weekends. I'm the cook. She cooks through the week, and so I get to make meals on, on weekends. So yesterday I made Zupa Toscana from the Olive Garden recipe. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And so in that, you put kale, right? And it's kind of like, it's kind of like spinach. But I, I, I didn't put it in there. It got all slimy. I put it in there, you know, and, and, and late. So I didn't cook it in there. I just put it in there. But I got kale. And I could go to King Supers and get it. And I, does anybody know where kale comes from? Where do they grow that stuff? Philippines? My backyard. Do you? Can you grow kale here? Oh, real well. Oh, so see, Ron's one of these. He, he knows the agrarian calendar, the agriculture calendar. I don't. Um, see, when, when, uh, when Gary and I grew up, and some of you out there, at Christmas, we would get grapefruit. I remember our family got grapefruit because that was about the only time of year you could get grapefruit. It would come from Arizona um, to Kansas. You know, they, they'd ship it there as a special truck, special <laughs> delivery. And so I remember getting, you know, getting this box of grapefruit from an, an aunt and uncle who lived down there. And so the crop was ready. And so they'd send us a box of grapefruit. Oh my goodness. And so January, we got to eat grapefruit. Well now, anytime, anything you want is anywhere. You can just go to the store and get it. But that's not a natural rhythm. Artificial lighting. Um, uh, 24-7. It's not a natural rhythm of God's design. Our bodies are made with circadian rhythms and, and, uh, and all this stuff that, that has a natural flow to it. And, uh, and when we interrupt all that stuff, it affects our physical, our emotional, our spiritual being. Gina, my wife, works, uh, she, she spent a lot of years working at the psych hospital, Mountain Crest up in Fort Collins. She's a mental health counselor. And now she is a, is a trainer. She's a de-escalation trainer for uh, UC Health. In fact, this morning she's training the SWAT team, the uh, uh, medical response part of the SWAT team in Fort Collins at the uh, Fort Collins Police Department. And she's doing that like 16 hours today. She went like at four this morning. And so she's training de-escalation techniques, helping people to find or to calm down when they come to a violent uh, situation uh, they come into a, a, a situation where the fire, fire department or the police department, the SWAT team's called out, and they've got a violent person. She trains them how to de-escalate that person. And, uh, and she's learning how to disarm. Thinking, I don't want to mess with her. Um, I'll just cook her soup. 
you know? And uh, so, but, but, but in her work, in her, in her work at, at Mountain Crest and over the years, um, she's come to know a lot about uh, what my problems are. Yeah. Now, now re really, about sleep patterns and some of those things and the disturbances. And, and even, you know, I, I, I had no idea, but she told me we were talking, you know, one of her patients in, you know, HIPAA laws, she can't talk about a lot of stuff, but she can give general information. One of the things, if you go 36 hours without sleep, psychosis, you become psychotic. I mean, your brain doesn't work right at all. And so all these things she's telling me, and, and even about sleep disturbances with teens and the importance of sleep and, and, uh, and patterns and, and normalcy. And I'm thinking, wow, we don't. We don't live there. And, uh, and, and my life, often in my life, I know when, when there have been great disruptions, it's really taken me away from resting in God. And so scripture we want to look at, Psalm 62, verse 1. And two, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Let me ask you a question. What if you went to work every day, day in and day out? What if you came to your family every day and day in and day out? And every situation you came to, this passage typified, identified, characterized your life who you were, how you reacted to people. Can you imagine the power that the body of Christ would have if all of us could say, let's read it together. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. That kind of confidence in God. And what takes us away from that? What, what moves us away from this center? Because I think this is a centering scripture. This is one of those places that we should come to as I think about my ministry and my, my role in the world as a, as a child of God. As he assures me I'm his kid. You know, the Zephaniah 3.17 passage that, that talks about God singing His song over me, letting me know that I am the most important. I'm most important because I'm His kid. I'm His child. And if I, if I did everything, and if I treated everybody in my life with this kind of confidence and this kind of foundation and believing this truth, I will not be shaken. Can I tell you the things that shake me up? I mean, they come. They, it's a barrage. All the time. Sometimes when I open my eyes in the morning, it's like, and then I wake up and I'm thinking, I got to do this. I got to get, I got to go. I got to go. Got to get up. Got to move. Got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. And I try to really, I told you last week, I try to bring that back to Psalm 5.3 in the morning. Oh Lord, I order my prayer to you and I eagerly watch. And, and, and sometimes this business of life overtakes me. But I come back to this idea, this concept of, of resting in God. And I don't believe this passage, Psalm 62, will ever become a foundational piece in our lives unless we learn the business of resting. Resting. And really coming to, to a place where we can stop and let God do His work in us.
and with us. And that doesn't mean driving down the road, and it doesn't mean, uh, and it might be walking along a country road. I, I don't know what it is, where it is for you. That's what you've got to determine. But we've got to find those times to carve out and let God calm our souls and calm our lives. Otherwise, we live frantic. I want to tell you, I, uh, I, t- I told you, I want to tell you a little story about Nia. And she's going to come next week. You're going to meet her next week. And I, I don't want to tell her story. She gets a little embarrassed. And she blushes. She's, uh, she's half black, so you can't really tell she's blushing, blushing too much. Um, but she does. She blushes, and she, you know, she's going to hide her head. She's, a, she's a 16 years old. She'll be 17 um, next month. And I told you she's adopted. Um, in, uh, in 1997... The winter of 1997, so like, like uh, November, December, January, 1997 and 98. Um, you know, Gene and I, uh, Gene, we had talked about, uh, Nia, JC, our oldest, was 11, and we talked about, you know, uh, having another child, and we couldn't because Gina was in an accident uh, when JC was two, and that's another story. That's another whole God story, but uh, we, we couldn't have another kiddo because of some, some physical issues with Gina's back and, uh, and some medications and some stuff. And so, so Nia, uh, JC was 11, and she, uh, she said, she brought up that conversation, well, can I have a brother or sister? You know, we said, you know what, we, we can't. We can't have our own, you can't have a brother or sister that, you know, is a natural born. So, well, let's adopt. And so in, in the spring, in the, in the winter, in the late winter and spring of 1998, J.C., uh, when we'd sit down to dinner, and she would pray for dinner, she prayed this prayer. She said, God, help all the little children who don't have homes to get homes. And God, I pray for our little whoever. And the first time she said it, I said, what'd she say? She said, our little whoever. I mean, what do you mean? She said, well, I think we need to adopt. Oh, you think we need to adopt? Yeah, right. Okay. Who put you in charge? You know, you know, you got one kid. They're always in charge, right? So, so we, you know, we hadn't talked about that. hadn't thought about it. So we, we said, okay, let's talk about that. And so we set up an appointment with Colorado Christian Services in uh, in Denver, and uh, we went down to CCS, and uh, and we met with the people there, and we went through the screenings, and went through the trainings, and and uh, and uh, we spent a weekend down there. And we said, you know, we think we, we might like to adopt. And we, we, uh, we, we had gone to another, like, an international adoption agency, and it was like, you know, $60,000. And, you know, I was a school teacher at a charter school in Arvada, and, you know, it was like, right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so that wasn't happening. And so, uh, so we, we, we did that thing. And so then, we, you know, we were at CCS, and... And so we got to the last day of the, the weekend, you know, on Sunday, you know, we had this retreat, and we're all excited because we'd seen and you know, we'd heard the stories, how do you do this? And so it got to that last session, and we said, so what do we need to do to start this process? Well, they said, you need the, uh, the entire uh, amount of money to pay for the entire adoption before we'd even start. It's like $18,000. So, right. And so we went home, and uh, that was like in in March, uh, April, something like that, of 1998. And we went home and told, told JC, you know, we went and we, we tried this. And so, so she was tearful and, you know, we said, we just can't do that, sweetie. And uh, so, 
So then you know, she was tearful and she said, is there any way? Is there any way? And, uh, and we said, um, well, you know, we can, we can look around. And so I started looking for like grants and talking to people and, you know, what were some options. And it was like, nah, nah. Because uh, grants weren't available and loans. We had some people say, well, we'll loan you the money. I can't pay you back. So that doesn't work. And, uh, and so we rocked along there for a couple of months. Well, in, uh, in, in June, it was kind of all coming to a head. Or, uh, maybe it, was probably, it was probably May. Uh, it was kind of coming to a head, and, and we kind of exhausted the options. And, and so, so J.C. kind of in one last appeal says, Is there anything we can do? And, uh, and we said, Yeah, there is. We told us, for, for the next three weeks, for the next three weeks, we're going to pray and fast about a baby. Because we've talked to our friends, we've talked to the government, we've talked to all kinds of people about adoption. And there's no way that we can do it. We know that. Okay, so for the next three weeks, we're just going to pray. And so what we want you to do, J.C., is pray. You pray specifically for God to open a door. However that happens, whatever that looks like. But it's got to be Him. Because we have no control over this situation. So in, uh, in early June... 1998, we did the three weeks of prayer and fasting, and, uh, and we were done. It was a Tuesday afternoon. I came home from school, because uh, I was in a year-round school, so our schedules were weird. Came home from school, and uh, we got our bikes out, and there was a little hill in Arvada, kind of, you guys that play soccer, there's a soccer field, Stinger soccer field. That used to be all uh, wilderness. I used to ride my motorcycle up there. It was called the Turtle Bowl, and, and up on top is a water tower up by the old ridge home and uh, so so we got our bikes we got our bikes and we rode up to the to the water tower and we told jason we're going to go up there and we're going to just we're going to talk about uh what we've what we've come to jc and so we rode our bikes up and we sat down up at the top and we sat down and said jc um you know mom and i prayed and, and you've prayed have you received any answer from god is there anything that, that has been given to you Somebody we need to talk to? Is there a name? Has anything happened? She said, no, nothing. And, and, and so I answered, Gina answered. And so we cried and we talked and, you know, we kind of hugged each other and said, you know, this is just our lot in life. Yeah, I guess kind of the Abraham and Sarah, you know. Uh, here we were. Um, and so we got on our bikes and we rode down and uh, said, let's go to the Sonic. So we, we got in the Jeep. Uh, we got in the Jeep and drove out to the Sonic out in, in Lafayette or something out there. And, and, uh, and we spent like a couple hours. So it was like 9 o'clock. We get back home and, and we pull up in front of the house. And, uh, and there's Annette French, who Annette was, uh, was a, a caseworker for Colorado Christian Services. And she went to church there, the Arvada Church where we attended worship. And, uh, and so Annette and Jack, her husband, are sitting on our front porch. And, uh, you know, they knew, I mean, in that, you know, through the whole CCS conversation, she knew, you know, our heart's desire and, and all that. And, and so in that, um, they stand up, we walked up, and they stand up, and they said, can we come in? And they just slipped around the corner and said, yeah, 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 come in. And so we didn't have any furniture. We had, like, uh, two chairs. And so we sat on the, on the living room floor. And, uh, and Annette says, when we got in and we sat down, and you would kind of, you know, uh, read it and, you know, talk a little bit, a little small talk. And she said, I've got to tell you guys something. Uh, this was Tuesday. She said, yesterday, yesterday, Monday, 
When we got to the office, there was an envelope in the mail. And it had uh, inside a check with your guys' name on it. In the amount of $18,000. It's anonymous. She said, I can't tell you who it was. We had just three hours before completely given it to God. And we'd been kind of frantic, you know, frantically looking and searching and wanting, you know, desperately. And, you know, our world was all, you know, we were trying to make it all happen. That was three hours before, and we kind of began to rest. After we said, there's nothing we can do, that was our rest moment. We had three hours of rest until we got the word of $18,000. To this day, we don't know where Nia came from. No idea. No idea. And so, you know, then we began the adoption process. We said, you know, so Annette said, you need to come down and get the paperwork and get all that started. And so, so we did. So June 1998, we got started. Started filling out the paperwork for an adoption. And it was grueling. It was worse than labor. Sorry, women, ladies. You know, I, I've never been through labor. Uh, my understanding is extremely painful, but so was going through the adoption process. Oh my goodness, it was hard. And so we did it for um, until until uh, it was like uh, February, February of 1999, early February. So it was like uh, actually we were out of school. It was a, again it was a Monday for um, President's Day. We were out of school. And so we took, uh, we took JC down to uh, the museum. We went down to the museum for the day because we didn't have school. On the way to the museum, we dropped the last piece of paper in the mailbox so that we could officially start our adoption process. So it took us like, that was like eight months, eight and a half months to start the adoption process. We put that thing in the mail and, uh, and we took off down, uh, down for the, uh, the museum. Went to the museum, spent all day, and came home Tuesday afternoon and, and, uh, and, and got to the house. Nia and I, our, uh, JC and I, my oldest daughter, walked in, and we were settling in, and Gina needed to go back to King Supers to the grocery store. So she left, went back down to King Supers, and everybody had it, and, uh, and the phone rings at home. And uh, voice on the phone, it's Terry, this is Elizabeth. Elizabeth Boltz was the director at CCS, Colorado Christian Services. This is the day that we had stuck the last piece of paper. So, I mean, that was kind of our official beginning. We could start then really looking for a baby because, you know, I mean, we'd been through the, the home studies and all that stuff. And so that process was finished with that last piece of paper. But they didn't have it yet. But Elizabeth is on the phone and she says, Terry. I said, what? She said, we've got a baby for you in Oklahoma if you want her. I said, what? Elizabeth, we just put the last paper in the mailbox this morning. We can't even start yet. You don't even have it. She said, Terry. I said, what? She said, we've got a baby in Oklahoma if you want her. I said, Elizabeth, i got to go tell Gina. i got to, I, I, I can't tell you. i got to go ask her if it's okay. <laughs> right? And so, uh, so JC and I got in the car, and we drove to King Super, the other car, and we drove down there, and we, we, uh, we went in. How, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Let's be creative and fun. So we got a shopping cart, and she got a shopping cart. Both of us, those big King Supers, the big ones, not the little baby ones. They didn't have them then. And we filled it with diapers and, and 
and baby stuff. Yeah, I didn't even know. We just went through the baby aisle and started. We, it was like piled this high. She couldn't even see us. We were coming down the aisle. We were coming down the aisle. There was two carts coming toward her filled with baby stuff. And she, and she, she turns around and thinks, who are these people coming at me? And we peeked around. She said, what are you guys doing? Look at this stuff. She said, yeah, what are you doing? I said, well, we've got a baby in Oklahoma if we want her. Do we? Guess what? We said, yeah, we do. So, uh, so we rushed home. She checked out. And we didn't buy all that baby stuff yet. But uh, we left it in the cart. I don't, some poor kid had to do all that work. I didn't even think about that till right now. Oh, my heart just bleeds for them. Because they had two carts they had to go put up. That's bad. Don't do that. Um, so we went home and we called Elizabeth back and said, yes, 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 yes. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. And so she said, okay, uh, she said, here's the deal. The baby's four weeks old. She's four weeks old. Um, you can get her in, in one week. In one week, you can go to Oklahoma. Because the interstate compact and, you know, uh, the kid couldn't cross the state line because, because Colorado wouldn't be liable for her health and, all, you know, all that stuff. And so we said, okay, in a week, we'll be in Oklahoma City. That's where she's at, right? And, yeah, she's in Oklahoma City. And, uh, and so we said, well, can you tell us more about her? They said, well, um, her, her birth mom, uh, weird deal, uh, birth mom was a 4-H uh, winner, like the year before, raised the, the champion steers in Oklahoma, champion cows. And so she was an animal husbandry, you know, came from farm. But she didn't know she was pregnant. And, uh, and she thought she was having some allergy things, and she was a small, she was like this tall and tiny, she was very little, but she carried the baby totally in. We saw pictures like two weeks before of her, you can't, she's in the pregnant. And, uh, and so what happened was, she was feeling sick, and so her mom took her to, to the doctor in Watonga, Oklahoma. And so they get to Watonga, and, uh, and, and Nina says, we've got to stop, we've got to stop. And uh, so they got there in Watonga, and the doctor there says, uh, Allergies? You don't have allergies. You're in labor. You're about to deliver a baby. And, uh, and uh, Nina's dad was extremely a prejudiced man. And so, uh, so she knew what had happened. Um, uh, on prom night, she and a guy had taken her to the prom, a black guy named Jason had taken her to the prom. And, uh, and, and Neil was conceived. Um, and uh, and so, so that is the result. Nina's mom, Susie, uh, says that we, 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 we've got to go somewhere. Uh, because we know we can't call your dad. We can't take her home. We can't have the baby here. So, so the doctor said, you've got to go to Oklahoma City. If you've got to give the baby up, we can't do that here. You've got to go to Oklahoma City. So they started driving to Oklahoma City. They got to Kingfisher, Oklahoma. And, uh, and Nina said, we've got to stop. So they stopped at the hospital in Kingfisher, Oklahoma, between where they live and Oklahoma City, and they go in and she had the baby. She had Nia. Um, and, uh, and so all the turmoil is, is going on. What are we going to do? The doctor that delivered the baby had been there one week. He had just moved there from Edmond, Oklahoma. He was a member of the Memorial Road Church of Christ. And Colorado Christian Services had just the year before opened a branch office in the church building at Memorial, the college church, uh, right there on the OCC campus. And so this doctor had just come here, he'd been there a week, 
And so they're in this turmoil, and they said, we don't know what to do, we don't know where to go, and he said, I do. He called Renee, the Renee Van who was the lady who was directing the, the work in, in Oklahoma City. He called Renee and said, um, I've got a baby. And she said, done, we'll be there. So they came and they worked through the, the situation with Nina and with Susie, the grandmother. And, uh, and so they took the baby then. That She was not in the hospital for like 16 hours. And they took her to Oklahoma City. Um, I've got a couple named Kurt and, and, uh, and Deborah Nickel took uh, were the, were the uh, what do you call those, um, foster, the foster mom and dad. And uh, Kurt is a Bible professor at OC. Actually, I think he's an Abilene Christian now. But Kurt is a, a professor of New Testament um, theology and, and, uh, at OC. And uh, so, so Kurt and Deborah had the baby. They were the, they were her, her they've had her for four weeks. And so, so we said, okay, well, great information. We'll, we'll go, we'll call them. And so we called them and they said, well, you can stay with us when you come to Oklahoma City. And so, uh, so that was like the week before, that was February, that was March, um, the first week of March. And so, uh, so on Monday, we got a call from my mom and she said, uh, Grandpa's in the hospital in Ian at Oklahoma, which is just north of, of, of Oklahoma City. And uh, so he was getting uh, bad. And so it comes around, we were going to leave on Thursday or Friday, I guess it was. And uh, so mom and dad were going to ride with us. We got in the car on Friday afternoon. Grandpa had stayed in the hospital at Enid, and the, the word was he was getting worse and worse and worse. So we said, we'll, we'll drive. We'll be there uh, by, by Saturday morning at 6 o'clock. And so we drove to Enid on Saturday. We got there, uh, we got there at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning, and my grandfather passed away at 5.45, 15 minutes before we got to that hospital. And so all of our families beginning to converge, you know, they got the word, we got the word out. So they're all coming into Oklahoma on Saturday and, and Sunday. We were going to pick up this baby. We were supposed to be there on Monday. So we stayed with family there in, in Enid. And on Monday, we got out and drove to Oklahoma City. We were in Oklahoma City. We got to Edmond. And we went to school there, so we're real familiar with, with town. And so, uh, so, uh, we, we, uh, we first went to the uh, Memorial Road Church, and that's where uh, Deborah, uh, that's where CCS was, and that's where Deborah worked as a as a uh, an aide in the little school, the little Christian school at the Memorial Road Church, and Deborah was there, and uh, and so we went there, and uh, and so we were going to see the baby for the very first time, and so we're sitting in the little CCS office, the little cubicle, and and so pretty soon this lady comes in with this little bundle. And for the first time, we laid our eyes on the And the story just gets more bizarre from there, from the doctor being connected. We walked in, and it was Deborah who was carrying the baby. They called her Baby Rose when they got her. And she carried her in. So we got to hold her. We're holding her and looking at her and, you know, doing all the, the things we do. And, you know, it's love at first sight, right? Oh, it's just melting. And, uh, and so we got to keep her. We got to keep her for the day. It's like, really? You're going you're gonna to load her to us or something? And uh, so they said, yeah, we got a car seat. And so, so they let her take us. So we went to Kentucky Fried Chicken and went to Walmart uh, right there kind of by the OCC campus. And we're carrying this baby around. You know, and JC's like 11. And her eyes are like, oh, my gosh, here's this little biracial kid. And we're thinking, she's really ours. And we're going around, and so all these emotions, my grandfather's died, and now we've got this baby, and 
you know, it's a wonder she lived those first few days because she was kind of torn in all these directions. Oh, we're all going to hold her. And, uh, and so anyway, so that evening, uh, Kurt and Deborah had said, okay, you're going to stay with us, come back to the house. And so they told us the time. So we went back there for dinner. So we, we sat out, we ate dinner, a wonderful dinner. And, you know, they had two kids and they loved this baby. They, you know, for four weeks, they'd had her, well, five now, but they'd had her for five weeks. And they were just in love with her. She was a great kid and a great baby. And so we're sitting around after dinner, and, uh, and we're talking to Kurt and Deborah, and, and, and so the conversation comes around, you know, to our histories. You know how that goes. You know, you're kind of meeting people for the first time. And, and she says, yeah, well, she says, you know, we've been missionaries, and she says, I grew up as a missionary in France, you know, and, and, and we'd come home on furlough, and, and my, my parents are from Carlsbad, New Mexico, and Gina's ears perked up and said, Carlsbad, New Mexico? So that's where my grandparents are from. And so they're talking, and... And so, 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 you know, as a, we're both from the same uh, tradition, you know, Church of Christ tradition, and, and sort of thinking, that's really weird, isn't it? I wonder if they know each other. And, uh, and so they're talking some more, and, and Jesus says, well, who's your aunt and uncle? And she says, uh, uh, that you stayed with on, when you came home from home. She said, May and Mary and Reese. And she goes, no, you're kidding that's my aunt's brother. They were related. We're going, are you kidding? And so we recounted stories. And Gina and Deborah had played as little kids as they started recounting stories. And, and, and can you believe this? God had taken this little baby from rural Oklahoma and all this stuff. We orchestrated nothing. And really until we came to a resting place. And I, God had been working in the whole deal. I know. We didn't know. Uh, we didn't know any of this really until it was like a month after we began to start putting all the pieces together. And there's more to that story. I won't. I won't continue to that story. But there's more to it even than that. My point is that I often find myself trying to figure it out, trying to make it happen, and not resting in the story of God. Not trusting, not doing this. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He's my rock and my salvation. You, we could add to that, couldn't we? We could say things like, he, he is directing all the affairs of my tomorrow. He's already there. But if I don't stop and I don't make myself think about that, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And so I just wanted to throw out this idea of resting. Jesus kind of turned the corner. He wasn't real popular with the Jewish leaders, with the church leaders. Um, Matthew 11. Come to me all who you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and put it on. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Um, we see Jesus in conflict with the religious leaders over his seeming breaking the Sabbath. Seemed like he was in conflict there. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in class and in our discussion groups, and we're going to kind of process that a little bit more. But um, Jesus understood God's intent for the Sabbath. And it was to, it was to really do good for people. It wasn't a religious 
uh, legalistic ritual that, that, that was, was designed to, to confine people. It was made so that we could, could come to this place each week, some point in our life, and stop all of our stuff and say, I need some rest. I need to rethink. I need to retool. I need to reconfigure my relationship with the captain, with the one who drives my life, with the one who's directing my life. I need to check in. That's our resting. That's what we're doing. Um, my favorite story, we're going to stop with this. Um, Jesus, all through the scriptures, surprises us. Um, comes to, uh, to the end, John and Peter and the disciples, the, the crucifixion has taken place. Jesus has died. He's resurrected. They've known. Uh, they've had inklings. They've had sightings. They've had a little bit of, of, uh, of interaction. But, boy, things are still muddled. And so they go back to their boats. John 21, they're back there. They're out in the boats. They're fishing. They've fished all night. And this dude on the shore says, Hey, friends. Caught anything? Probably if they were close enough, they would have clocked the guy. Are you kidding? Who would ask such a silly question? No, we haven't caught anything. They fished all night. And he said, throw your nets on the other side. And then they recognized that it was Jesus. Peter throws his clothes off, jumps in the water, starts swimming. The other guys are feeling the, tug, the next tug. There are 153 fish in the net when they got to shore. They counted them. And then so they get there, and it was Jesus on the shore. And they're ecstatic. They're ecstatic. He says, Come and have breakfast. That's one of my favorite passages in all the scripture. There's Jesus. I mean, he's on the shore. He's grilled, he's grilled fish. And he says, Come and have breakfast. Don't you have anything more important to do than have breakfast? I mean, come on. No, he didn't. He spent some time with those guys. Right there, right there, assuring them. Peter had denied him. And he's reassuring him. Peter, I love you. You love me? <laughs> Three times. Yeah. Oh, those reminders, right? And, uh, and so all through... All through scriptures, Jesus gives us that model of rest. You know, we always think about him, I think, in ways that he's in the crowds and he's with people and he's healing and he's doing this. And he's just, he was a rester. He knew. And he models it for us. Oh, and we, we are not better than the master. Because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. I hope, I hope this week you will find rest, a place, a time to reconnect, to come back and stop the ball juggling. Find your time, find your place, and reclaim this gift, this Sabbath gift that God has offered. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the idea, the concept, the directive of rest. And help us to claim it, God, for our own, for our, ourselves. And uh, thank you for, um, 
for giving us that directive. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you, Terry. Now it's all time to take a nap, right? We're supposed to be resting. <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't take a nap while, while he, was, he was talking. Fantastic stories. By the way, this, this Mark 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 31, it says, uh, So they went away by themselves in what? In a boat. There's the reason, guys, for, um, you know, to ask your wife to buy you a boat. Uh, that's what the vehicle was to rest. And so, you know, Jesus is telling us to rest. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oftentimes, though, we do find that vehicle for rest. Maybe a hot tub. It may be a motorcycle going really fast. It may be your favorite chair. It may be just spending time with family on the beach grilling some fish like Jesus did. Awesome thing. Appreciate the words um, that were shared this morning. A couple of announcements before we uh, uh, spread out and uh, do some more discussion. Um, Terry will lead us and guide us into some discussion. Um, The kids will go to class. Uh, I do want to mention that this evening we do have our uh, elective classes. Uh, Starting at 5 o'clock we have a directed Bible study, a ladies class, and a study hall. Um, 6 o'clock I believe we have a couples class. And Is the newlywed class that you're done, right? You guys are going to your house. Okay, so all right, you got that figured out. And um, Wednesday night, we'll be back here. Be back here. Uh, Brad's doing some some work with the, uh, and I still don't know what to call it, Brad. Talking about some evolution versus creation stuff, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, Youth group Saturday night. And um, we've got great things planned for the next few weeks as well. If you look in your bulletin, the 24th um, has got some things. The 31st has got some stuff. And the 7th has got some activities as well. So um, uh, please be aware of, of those things going on there. All right, what else do I need to announce this morning? Anything else? All right, let's be standing. We'll close in a word of prayer. We'll let the kids go to class. And then adults will sit right back down and uh, Terry will guide us into uh, some discussion questions. Let's look to God in word of prayer. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. I pray that you will allow us to take these words that we've heard this morning and let them trickle into our hearts and minds and find that place of rest that you want us to, to have. God, I pray that you'll uh, use these words and use this, these ideas uh, to make our lives less frantic and less um, tumultuous. Help us to uh, be, uh, feel your guiding and feel your leading. Uh, as we go away from here. God, thank you for this time that we've been allowed to be together. I pray that you'll continue to bless discussions. And um, also, God, bless the teachers and kids as they go to class, that they will have a a great time this morning as well. I thank you again for this time. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids, go to class.